in a series right now called Family Matters 2. And <clears throat> for those of you that have been with us for some years, then you know that we did a series called Family Matters years ago, a couple years ago. Now we're in Family Matters 2. Um, and we've been talking about eight milestones that every child needs to have when they leave the house. Um, if you missed those, maybe we can put those on the screen real quick. And you can maybe snap a picture of them and, uh, and see those. Uh, we can't, we're going to be going through a couple ones each week. Uh, we talked about, number one, loving God. We talked about uh, loving His Word, having a love and passion for His Word. This week, we're going to take a little break from going through the milestones. We'll, we'll kind of do that periodically throughout and talk about some other issues. Um, this week, what I want to talk to you about is training and discipline. And this, of course, applies to every age of a child. When, when you think of discipline, don't just think of, <clears throat> don't just think of you know, spanking or that kind of thing. It's just training and discipline, and it covers every, every age. So let's kind of, I've got so much to cover. I may not get through it all this week. So uh, we're going to just kind of get into it. But I, I do want to take my time because there's so much to be said on this topic. Let's read the Word of God together. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen? And this is the Word of God. I look at this not only as uh, wisdom, which the book of Proverbs is wisdom. I look at it not only as wisdom, I look at it as a promise, and it's a promise that I hold to. And if you have a child that is uh, maybe older and they're away from God, but you've trained them in the ways of the Lord, I believe this is a scripture you can hold on to. That if you train a child in the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart of it. Everybody say train. train. This is the key word here. The primary responsibility of a parent, you really have two main responsibilities. That is to love and train. Love your kids. That includes providing for them. That includes nurturing them. That includes encouraging them. That, you know, all of that. Love and train. So many parents, though, are missing that second part. I don't. I talk to a lot of parents um, that it's. Om, I call it cruise control parenting, almost like we birthed them, and then now life is just on cruise control. In other words, you know, as they get older, they'll come out of the diapers. We'll start feeding them solid food. At a certain point, we send them to daycare. After that, we send them to school. Maybe they'll play some t-ball. We'll go on vacations. We'll get the subdivision. We'll put the white picket fence up. You know, we may get them to bicycles and ride around the subdivision. They get to high school. They'll play some, some sports, and we'll get them through school, get them graduated. Hopefully, they'll go off to college, and then, you know, now we em we're empty nesters, and we just go on with life. I call that cruise control parenting, and here's what I have to say about that. It's not intentional enough. It's, it's not focused enough. And the way that our world is, if you are on cruise control with your children, unfortunately, the, the cruise control is going to take their, them in the wrong direction. They're not going to leave your house with the skills and the equipment necessary to succeed in this life. You can't go on cruise control with your children. You have to be very intentional. That's why the Bible said, train up a child. And I like to say it this way. We are not raising kids. We are training adults. This is one of the key things you have to keep in your mind all the time. 
Don't ever say, oh, I'm raising kids. You're not raising kids. You're training adults. You go, well, yeah, I know when they get a little bit older. No, from the first day, from day one, day one, you are training adults. You're not raising kids. Raising kids is the wrong mentality. Raising kids is the cruise control mentality. Oh, you know, raising kids is going to have a good life for them, create a good life for them. Yeah, that's part of the love part, but don't miss out on the training part. I'm not, I'm not raising kids. I'm training adults. Every successful organization in, in our world, okay, any, any good restaurant, any good, you know, the military, anything that is successful, it's because that it is, it is because of good training. It is because they have good training. Now, I'm not going to call it, well, I'll try not to. I don't know if I can avoid it. But if you go around, how many of you ever been to a fast food place and it's like a chain, you know, and it has like these big yellow, go, okay, never mind, I'm not going to go. Sorry. But you go and you could go to one and it'd be fantastic. And then you could maybe go to another one and it's the worst food you've ever eaten in your life. Or... You could even go to one that's delicious, and then you could go a week later, and it's awful. What, why? How, how could you go one? Because what you got is just haphazard. It's not a result of consistent training. Then you could go other places where every single time you go, the service is good, the food is good, the experience is good, every single time you go. And while everybody else is complaining, we can't find good workers, Man, we can't get anybody to work. These workers these days, these kids these days, you can't get them to work. Well, somehow there are certain places that figure out how to train people properly so that we have a good experience and we have good food every time we go. It's a result of training. One group didn't have it. They made excuses, and we see the results. Another group, they took it, they made the training, and no matter, no matter the condition of the worker or the environment, they were able to push past it to give us a good experience, and it's a result of training. Think about our military. You know, I think about our military. It's like whatever branch it is, they have an end result in mind. We want, a, we want a soldier, you know, or whatever the position is to look like this. And through the decades, they have figured out how to train and get people to look like this. Here's the standard. Some people will exceed the standard after our training. Some people may be shortly, you know, a little bit short of the standard. But our training is going to move everyone really, really close to this, this standard. And that's all a result of training. Well, as parents, I mean, is there a more important role for us than training our kids? Or is it just haphazard? Is it just we're on cruise control? We don't even have anything in mind of what we want them to be. And if we do have anything in mind, are we creating a training for them that gets them to that point? Because here's the, man, these are the types of things that I think about. I don't know if you think about these. And a lot of people don't like to think about this. But whether or not my kids succeed in life, at their job, at their marriage, at raising their own kids is largely my responsibility. And I know people don't like to think about that. We like to think, well, you know, this one did fine. Uh, you know, this one turned out okay. This one was this, that, or the other. Yeah, because that one was easy to train. You got one that was easy to train. You got one that was hard to train. But they, spoke, they still both needed to be trained. How many of you have pets like that? I mean, I've got three. My wife, we have three horses at home. I can tell you that there's one that is just a dream. There's another one that's a knucklehead. And we have to, requires a lot of focus and a lot of training. So kids are like that. Some are really easy to train. I have one kid 
that I don't like talking about my own kids because it gets kind of embarrassing. But I have one kid that's probably had probably had five spankings in their life. I have another kid that got five spankings on any given day growing up. I mean, wasn't nothing for that. So, yeah, they, their di- kids are different, but they, they all need training based on where they're at. And if my kids come out of 18 years of training with me, and they still are not equipped for this life, if they still are not ready for marriage, if they still are not ready for life in general, if they're not ready for their career, that is my fault. That is my fault. Because they were given to me, they were put under my, my care. Largely, what is produced, again, in any organization has to do with training. And, uh, you know, I went to a school. For example, let's, let's look at schools. I went, to, I went to a school called Forest Hill Academy. And Forest Hill Academy is no longer a school, and that's probably good. That's probably a good thing. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, and so you think about the purpose of a school, right? You want to educate, you want to get arithmetic, you want to get science, you want to get English, you want to get them all the basics so that when they leave, they have a certain level of training. There's a certain standard that you hit. Okay, I didn't hit any of those standards. Okay, you know why? Because when I went to school, this is what we did. We played spades, checkers, chess. Several of my teachers were also coaches, so we watched game film. You know, this is during class. I probably went four years without learning a single thing. Just from, just from school. But, man, we had a great time. We actually loved going to school. It was, it was a blast. But they failed miserably at their, at their training. And when I got to college, all that meant for me was, uh, you know, I spent time goofing off and not really doing anything. And when I went to college, I had to put in way more work than everyone else. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't so happy about my training that I'd received because I realized I was not prepared. I was not equipped. Now, I was able to catch up and do what I needed to do because I had good training from my parents about work ethic and hard work and perseverance and things like that. But it would have been better to have the training so that I showed up equipped and ready. Your kids are going to be adults. They are going to be parents. Okay, they are going to be husbands, wives. They are going to be, you know, citizens of this country. They have to have training from you. And part of that is discipline, but it's not all that it includes. Let's look at another verse, 2 Samuel seven thirteen. Now, God's talking about Solomon to his father, David. And God is telling David a little bit about his son, Solomon, and what he's going to be like. This is what he says, 2 Samuel seven thirteen. He says, Solomon shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him. So it seems like in the mind of God that discipline is intrinsically woven with love and being a parent. When he, when he talks about being a, he said, I will be a father to Solomon and he will be a son. And then the very first thing he mentions, he says, when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. And thank God he didn't leave it there. He continued, but my steadfast love will not depart from him. So there's this combination of love and discipline, love and training, 
Hebrews 12, 5 says it this way. Have you forgotten the, exe- the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So again, we see that connection between love and discipline. Actually, what you're about to see in this passage is that how you discipline your kids actually reveals the amount of love that you have for them. And that a parent who lightly or does not discipline their, their children, it's actually not an act of love. If you talk to parents a lot of times, they will say that, oh, I just can't do it, it hurts too much. Well, that's, self, that's a selfish love. It hurts you so you don't do it for them. But he says, actually, true love pushes past the pain that discipline causes you. In other words, I love you enough to endure the difficulty and the pain that I experience from disciplining you. I love you enough to push aside my feelings and my, the, the, my uncomfortableness with discipline or seeing you cry or seeing you hurt. I love you enough to push past that because I'm thinking about your future. I'm thinking about the adult that you're going to become. And this is biblical. This is scriptural. Verse 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Almost as if that's just an unheard of thing. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Wow, look how connected this is. In the mind of God, look how connected this is. He says, if you have not received discipline, if you are not receiving discipline, he says, you are illegitimate children. So these things are connected. Verse 9, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us, talking about God, for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Amen. So he gives us kind of a long-term view, and he says, for the moment, all discipline is painful, but what we're looking to is the fruit that it's going to yield later in their life. Now, when I say discipline, please do not think that I'm just talking about spanking. That's where everybody's mind goes, oh, spanking. But discipline is a, is a, a lot more than that. First of all, discipline is training, number one. Discipline is training. Uh, discipline is also guidance, guiding you. Hey, that's not the way to do that. Do it like this. Or if you see your kids when they're, you know, a little older and you see the way they interact or they're having a conversation, you guide them. You say, hey, when someone talks to you, look them in the eye. When someone comes up and, and speaks with you, don't sit there and stare at your feet and mumble and shuffle around. Pick your head up, look in their eye. What is that? Is that spanking? No, that's just training. That's just guidance. That's, that's good discipline. Uh, when someone gives them a gift and they just take it and they walk away, you say, hold on a minute. They, they took time to get you that gift. They spent their own money. Make sure you say thank you. Make sure that, you know, maybe you teach your kids to write thank you cards. When somebody gives you something, write a thank you card. Send it in the, in the mail. One of the things we do with our kids, this is a big one in our home, because I, as a pastor, I have a unique perspective or, or side of it where I do a lot of counseling with people that are struggling. 
okay, in their marriage or homes or family or whatever. So a lot of the problems that I see, a lot of the common problems that I see in marriages and families informs me of how I need to train and prepare my kids. So I don't want you to experience these same common problems that I see over and over again. So one of the biggest problems I see over and over again is really poor dysfunctional communication. And so we work on this all the time with my kids. When one of my kids is mad, they're, they're at this age now, so this is all age specific. But when one of my kids are mad at me or their mom or each other, you don't just go in your room and pout about it. You don't, if you're mad at your brother, you don't just come and tell me about it. I go, hold on a minute. When you get married, you're going to have to be able to communicate without anger, without frustration, Without dysfunction, you're going to have to communicate. So we're going to, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about it. And my kids know this. They understand. Listen, your, your brother, your sister, they came. They mentioned this to me. I'm not going to be here one day, and you're going to have to sit down and do this with your spouse. Let's talk through this. And as they're talking through it, we'll coach them. We'll say, hey, you see when you just said that? That you shouldn't have said that. That wasn't the right way to say that. You need to figure out another way to say that because you were attacking them. You need to sit down and you need to explain that in a different way. And they sit down and they talk and they work through it. We, that we do that with, they, they are allowed to do that with us. Again, they're 14 and 12, so this is, this is age specific. But when our kids have a problem, when they have a complaint against us as their parents, it's not just, well, just shut up and do what I tell you. That's, that's not good training. I don't want them to just shut up and do what I tell you because when you get in marriage, if you just shut up, you're going to bottle all that in and then you're going to start being passive aggressive. And you're going, to start, you're going to start acting out. You're going to, I don't want that. I want you, when you're frustrated, I want you to be able to explain it. I want you to be able to communicate it. I want you to be able to talk about it. And I don't want you to have all these dysfunctions of communication. So I want to make it completely normal. I want to make it completely normal that when you're angry, you're frustrated, you're disturbed about something, you can bring it up. Nobody's going to act weird. They're not going to be mad because you brought it up. We'll sit down and take as long as we need to talk, to talk through it. What is that? It's training. It's guidance. And that's in every single area. It is in how they, how, how they put up their clothes, what they do with their shoes, whether they make their room, when they take out the trash, how they leave the kitchen after they've made a sandwich. It's on and on and on and on and on. Training and guidance all the time. And you see, we haven't even got to spanking. That's way down. That, that, you know, that's a whole other part of it. We're just talking about, as a parent, it's constant training and guidance. We're not going to be on cruise control we're going to be constantly in training mode, guidance mode for our children. Anytime I see a behavior, this is just how I think and how I think parents should think. Anytime I see a behavior that I don't like, we're going to work on it. We're going to train and I'm going to give, I'm going to give training and guidance. It could be really simple. It might be 10 seconds of training and guidance and then we move on. It doesn't require hours and hours every time or big, long conversations. Sometimes maybe I look to see, is that behavior consistent? Have I seen it three or four times? I go, okay, that is a behavior that's not going to help them in marriage. If your child has a tendency to pout, okay, that's not going to help them in marriage. If your child has a tendency to yell and get angry, that's not going to help them in marriage. So when you see that behavior, you begin working, you begin correcting, training, and guiding. So what is discipline? It's training, it's guiding, it's correcting, and then finally it is punishment. It can get to the point where a behavior is punished. It doesn't have to start there. 
maybe you have a child that could just be trained, guided, and gently corrected. I had, I, you know, one of my kids, if I just talked stern to them, the tears started to flow. You know, it's like, man, I, I wasn't even upset. I was just trying to, and man, it was like, that was enough. We won't talk about the other one because I, I don't want to embarrass him too much. But So training and guidance. This is our goal. Look at your children every stage of life. It starts day one. And this is the biggest mistake probably the biggest mistake that I see parents making is they don't understand that it starts from day one. It seems like a lot of parents think like this, like one, two, three, four, five, you know, they're going to be, they're, they're terrible, you know, terrible twos, you know, it's, this is going to be a nightmare. They're, they're acting up. Oh, they're tired. They're hungry. They're, they're this, that. And you know, when they start to understand a little bit, when they can talk, when they can understand, we start the training. Huge mistake. Huge mistake. Training begins day one. My, our children ate on a schedule. They slept on a schedule. They didn't eat just whenever they felt like it. They didn't sleep just whenever they felt like it. They were on a schedule from day, from day one that began. Now, please understand. We, I understand. Believe me, we've been parents. That changes. Schedules get thrown out the window. All that. I, of course I understand. There's kids, they get, they get sick. You know, they, they fall off the schedule. All of that. But that's not an excuse to just be to let it just happen all of the time either. From day one, there begins to be training. You're going to have setbacks with training and guidance. You're going to be making progress in an area. Then you're going to send them to the grandparents' house. They're going to mess everything up. Then you got to start over. You're going to have setbacks, right? That, that, that happens. But here's, what, but, but here's what you have to remember is that you've been put in their life and if you don't do the training, and if you don't do it well, they're going to pay the price for that. They are going to pay the price for that. And if you really don't do it well, you're going to pay the price too. Because I've seen many, 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 many adult children cause nightmares for their adult parents. So you're going to pay the price now through good training, or you're going to pay it Later, through heartache and watching them suffer and watching them, it's not an act of love to not discipline. It is not an act of love to not train because it's, it's short-sighted. It's short-sighted. When you see a child acting a certain way and they're unmannerly and they're throwing fits and they're yelling and they're throwing themselves on the floor, that is not an act of love to let that continue. That is an act of selfishness because you're not thinking about what, how's that going to work in life. If I see my child acting the way, that's the first thought I have is, is that going to work in marriage? <laughs> no, that ain't going to work. Oh, well, they're only two. Well, let's, let's talk about that. Let's address that. Because here's what I want, to, I want to challenge you on this. This is a mindset that most parents comfort themselves with when it comes to this. And it is this, this mindset. And I'm going to tell you up front, I despise this mindset. And it is this. They will grow out of it. I hate this mindset so much. They will grow out of it. And I hear it. And you hear it. You've said it. I've said it. Oh, they'll just grow out of that. And it's one of the most common uh, pieces of advice that we give as parents, too, to other parents. Oh, don't worry about that. They'll grow out of it. Well, first, let's just, let's just challenge that a little bit this morning. Does anybody really grow out of anything? First of all, we have to understand how change takes place to begin with. Why does anybody change? Why does anybody change? People change for two reasons. They change because of pain or they change because of reward. 
This is really only, and every, every reason why people change falls into one of these two categories. I either change because the pain is too great and I want to avoid it. And within pain, you could, it could go all the way from just slight discomfort all the way to extreme, extreme devastation. Reward, same thing. Maybe I change because of a reward just meaning when I act this way, I feel good. When I act this way, I get what I want. I like that. That's a reward. When I act this way, my parents encourage me. And they go, hey, good job. Man, that was impressive. That's a reward. And so it can go, reward can go all the way from just light encouragement all the way to some extreme, you know, monetary reward or gift. But people change for two reasons, pain or reward. And so when a child is, is acting a certain way, the only reason they will ever change that is because of pain or reward. Matter of fact, the reason that they're acting that way is because of reward. When I act that way, I get what I want. In other words, what, whatever I'm trying to achieve, I get it by acting this way. And for a child that's very dysfunctional, of course, they're not mature. So they'll throw themselves on the floor. They'll yell. They'll do whatever. But bottom line is they're getting something out of it. They're getting something that they want out of it so they continue. So how do you? So when you say they'll grow out of it, what you're, what you're doing then is you're leaving it up to chance. You're just hoping that by aging, they'll have enough experiences in life that show them this is not a healthy behavior, this doesn't work for you. Like the pain of changing throwing fits on the floor could come at seven, eight, nine years old when you're in elementary school and everybody's looking at you like, dude, what are you doing? You're, you weirdo, why are you on the floor throwing fits? And all of a sudden the pain hits and they go, oh, I guess I can't do that anymore. But how many of you know that should have been solved a long time ago by their parents? The, the they will grow out of it mentality just means we're going to leave it up to chance. We're going to leave it up to the world. We're going to leave it up to the circumstances in life. We're going to leave it up to their environment to, to change them. How many of you know it's not their job to train your kids? It's not the world's job. It's not society's job to train our children. It's our job. So to me, that's being negligent. That would be like, and it would be real similar to this. Let's go back to training, for example, in the military. Let's say it was your job to train new cadets coming in. And your superior comes in and he goes, and you've been with them for six, for six weeks. And your superior comes in and he says, man, this guy, he doesn't know how to shoot. He can't shoot nothing. He, doesn't, he can't do a push-up. He can't do, he don't know how to make his bed. He doesn't have, what is wrong with this guy? Have you been training him? And you go, oh, he'll grow out of it. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. He's going, in other words, and, and is there a measure of truth to that? Yes, if he stays in the military long enough and he hangs around other people that know what they're doing, it might rub off on him. But how many of you know you as the trainer, you're not going to have a job for very long? Because if, 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 if that's the way that we train is just, oh, they'll grow out of, they'll pick it up eventually, well, then what's the point of having you around? I mean, if, if that's how we're going to do it, just, oh, they'll grow out of it. Well, that's too haphazard. That's not intentional enough. And it kind of removes the point of having you around to begin with. The point of having us around as parents is to train. I'm not, listen, and furthermore, let me please emphasize this. Again, as a pastor that meets with families that are in trouble constantly and all the time, it's one of the biggest things that we do. Let me assure you that every child does not grow out of it. If every child grew out of character flaws and problems... How many of you know the divorce rate in our nation would be way down? Every divorce is a result of a child that did not deal with a certain character flaw and it followed them into their marriage and it caused disaster and devastation. I mean, 
if, right, if kids were trained properly and they got rid of every character flaw and they got rid of every issue, then when they came into marriage, you'd have two healthy whole people and marriage wouldn't be a problem. Families wouldn't be a problem, wouldn't be any issue. Every divorce comes from children that did not grow out of it. Oh, they changed it. Yeah, they stopped throwing fits on the floor, but they still learned to get their way through manipulation. They learned how to pout. They learned how to give the cold shoulder. They learned how to yell with anger and get their way. They did not grow out of it. And so please, that's why I hate this mindset so much. It's a lazy approach to parenting. It's an excuse to not do your job. It's an excuse to put it off on someone else and to sort of kick the can down the road. It's your job. It's our job as parents to train. And when I see a behavior in my child, it has to be age appropriate, right? If they're four versus if they're 15, the training is going to be totally different. The guidance will be totally different. The correction will be totally different. But when I see a behavior in your life that's not going to be good for you long term, we begin working on it immediately. We begin working on it immediately. And I'll give you an example. I've told this story before, but, it, but it, uh, to me it illustrates it well. When my, I remember this one incident with my son where <clears throat> my wife was frustrated. And she made the comment. She said, you know, I don't, she was upset. You know, and you understand, young kids, my gosh, you know how that time can be. And she made the comment, like, I'm just so frustrated because every time you speak or do, he listens. And then when I speak, he doesn't listen. And I said, he doesn't believe you. That's the problem. He doesn't believe you. And there was, a, there was an example that was going on in our home at the time where we had a, one of those floor trash cans that sit out on the floor. And so he could just walk right up to it. And he, for some reason, he had a fascination with the trash can. It wasn't just the trash can. He, like every week, we'd go out and watch the trash truck as it drove by. And he'd watch the guys dump it in. He had little trash truck things. You know, he wanted to be a trash man for a long time. So I told son, I have higher hopes. But, I mean, if that's how it goes, that's fine, you know. Um, but so he had a fascination with walking up to the trash can and he would been this, this point he could understand he could speak a little bit he understood instructions all of that but he would you know reach in pull stuff out of the trash can put random objects in the trash can sometimes flip the trash can onto the floor and so this this is my mindset look and I understand some people are going to disagree with this I, I'm just, all I can do is tell you from my experience and what I've observed and what I've what I've learned if you don't like it and and you want to figure out another way, that's fine. But for, for me, this is my mindset. The trash can has very, very low consequences. He's not going to injure himself. He's not going to hurt himself, right? So this is actually the perfect moment to train. Now, my, my wife's approach at that time, she doesn't think like this now, and maybe even some family members would come over and they think, well, just move the trash can. It's common sense, right? Pick the trash can up, put it somewhere you can't get to it, problem, problem solved. Yeah, but I missed a wonderful opportunity to train my child on something that's not going to harm them. It has very, very low consequences. I missed an opportunity to train. So we use that as an opportunity to teach my son, you cannot stick stuff in the trash can. You can't throw it on the ground. Did it take some training? Did it take some discipline? Yeah, it did. It took, a, it took less than a week for him to understand, I can't throw the trash can on the ground. I can't put stuff in the trash can. What? Through training, guidance, and discipline. Now, why, why did we do it that way? Because I wanted my son to, to know that when I speak, you have to listen. 
I wanted my son to know that when I give a when I give instruction, you have to listen. It's one of the most valuable things that they can learn in their life. Why? Because when you're going to cross that street and I say stop, you I need to know that you're going to listen. You've learned and trained yourself to listen to my command. One day it could be life or death. And I don't want to have to fight with you every time I'm in the mall, every time I'm in the grocery store. I don't want to have to fight with you over and over and tell you something five, six, seven, eight times for you to get to listen. Listen, if you have to tell your child five, six, seven, eight times for them to listen, you have the training, you've missed something in the training. And if that's the case, if a child has to be told six, seven, eight times to do something, they have been trained to do that. They've been trained that on second time, no consequences. Third time, no consequences. Fourth time, no consequences. Okay, they're starting to get a little bit heated, but I still got a few more chances here. And then it goes on. I don't want to train my child that on six, seven, eight times you listen. I want you to listen on the first time. Is there room for grace and mercy? Yeah, room for all that. Room for all that, sure. Because training and guidance requires a lot of wisdom, and it requires a lot of mercy, and it requires a lot of grace. But still, I want my child to listen on the first time. And so that's a training thing. That's a training thing. Here's one of the things that we emphasize with our kids was there would be certain things in your life that there, that there would be immediate discipline for. In other words, there wouldn't be any, any kind of discussion about it. There would just be immediate discipline if actually there were two things. One was if you ever lie, if you ever tell a lie, you're going to be disciplined immediately. We do not lie in this household. That's how we talk, too. We don't lie. We, as your parents, we don't lie to you. You don't lie to us. That's why certain things we didn't teach our kids. I know, and again, people think this may think a certain way about this. We didn't teach our kids about Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, stuff like that, because we made a commitment to them when they're young. We, we're not going to lie to you. We do not lie to you. If we tell you something is true, it is true. If we say it, it is correct. And if, and if you... If you ask us something that we don't want to tell you, we're not going to lie to you. We're just going to say, I'm not telling you that. <laughs> I can't talk to you about that. And we're not going to lie about what it is. So as best as possible, I'm sure we haven't been perfect on it, but we don't lie to our kids, and we ask our kids not to lie. And one of them did have a little issue with that. And so we, we taught them, if you ever lie, it's immediate discipline. There's no discussion about it if you're ever caught in a lie. The second one was direct disobedience. If I say don't touch that and you touch it, immediate spanking every time. This is when they were young. If I say don't do that and you do it anyway, immediate discipline. If I say stop that, if I say do that and you don't do it, it's immediate discipline every time. So we just didn't. Now, it took with one particular, it took some time to enforce that training. The other one got it almost immediately. But the, but the other one was a type of person that he was going to test that and challenge that every now and then. I have a, I have a dog like that that's on an invisible, invisible fence. And, you know, he knows if I go past this boundary, boom, I get, I get popped immediately. A little shock to, the, shock to the neck. He has an invisible fence, which is there for his safety, by the way. I know because some, some pet lovers don't like that either. So I don't know what to tell all y'all. I mean, my goodness, I just... So anyway, but... <laughs> You know, he crosses this boundary, he gets popped. Is the, why does it work? Because it's consistent. It's every single time. There's no gray area. Every single time I cross this area, pop. And so what do they learn? They learn quick. I can go this far and no further. And they never challenge it. Our parenting has to be that consistent. Our parenting has to be that, that predictable. And so you, you train, you say, if just you make it really clear. It's one of the most loving things you can do for your children is let them know their boundaries and let them know how clear. 
if you go past this, this is what happens every time, and it's, and it's consistent. But that dog that I'm talking about, you know, because they're smart, a few months, a few weeks ago by, and plus the collar has gone dead a few times, power's gone out a few times, so he's learned maybe every now and then it's down. So I'm going to test it. And kids are the same way. Even though they're well-trained, even though they've been, they've been parented well, sometimes you have one that they'll just test and they'll just train. You've got to reinforce. Nope, still the same. Still, the, those boundaries are still there. So here's the point. Please, please eliminate, if possible, please eliminate this phrase from your vocabulary, they will grow out of it. Is there some truth to it? Yes. There is some truth to it. But you know, there's nothing magical about the passing of time. There's nothing magical about someone just getting older. In other words, if you took someone who was severely dysfunctional and you just went and locked them in a basement for five years and they never had any other uh, inputs in their life, they wouldn't change that much because just the passing of time doesn't really do much. So saying they will grow out of it is really not the correct way to say it. When you're saying they will grow out of it, what you're really saying is I'm leaving this up to someone else. When you say they'll grow out of it, what you're saying is I'm going to just hope that there's some kinds of experiences that they have that fix this, but I'm just going to really not do, do much. How many of you know that is a very, in my view, that is a very lazy approach to parenting and, and a very improper view. And if it applied to anyone else who's been tasked with training at your job or anywhere else, that person would be fired. I mean, if you walked in and you said, you know, what's wrong with your employees that you're over? My gosh, they're, they're acting this way, doing that. Oh, well, I'm just giving them time. They'll, they'll figure it out. Well, hold on a minute. Did you teach them this? Did you train them this? Did you show? Well, no, they'll, they'll figure it out. You'd be fired instantly. So with parenting, it's even more important. We can't be negligent in our parenting and go, well, they will, they will just grow out of it. So, if, so what, what is it that causes people to change? And this is what helps us understand the they will grow out of it mentality. What causes people to change? Well, as I said, it's, it's pain and reward. So when you're trying to change a behavior, the most important thing that, that we can do as parents is to make the wrong thing very painful and difficult and make the right thing very easy and rewarding. This is how you train anything. This is how you train an animal. This is how you train anything, any person. To make the wrong thing very difficult and, dis and uncomfortable, but to make the right thing very easy and rewarding. And that's why so many times as parents, we end up saying that with our kids after a big, long battle, big, long fight. You know, we end up saying, now, man, wouldn't it have just been easier? Remember this next time. Wouldn't it have just been easier if you'd have just done this on the front end? And what does that do? It reinforces. We went through all of this because you wouldn't just do that. If you'd have just done it, look how much simpler it would have been, how much easier it would have been. But as I said to my wife the one time, the, the kids, sometimes they, they don't believe you. You ever said that as a parent, I'm going to make a believer out of you? Or you ever had it said to you when you were growing up? I'm about to make a believer out of you. I mean, what are you saying? You're saying... I'm saying this, but I don't think you believe me. And if they don't believe you, it's for good reason. If they don't believe you, it's because you haven't made them a believer, in other words. And this is one thing that you want your kids to know. And I, this is where it gets hard because parents have such different personalities. And this is why it's so valuable and so important to have two parents that are on the same page fighting together. This works best 
when you have two parents that have different personalities, but they respect each other, they respect the differences, they understand, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm harder on discipline and you're more soft and you're more merciful. Well, those two things can come together to make a really good parenting team. This becomes much harder when you have either just one parent or they're not on the same, on the same page. But, but some parents, uh, they just don't have that, that fight in them. And some parents can have it too much, where they're just combative and too aggressive with it, and you're angry, and there's lots of yelling, and you know, you're, you're constantly belittling the kids and all of that. So it can go to one extreme or the other. But what, one of the things I wanted my kids to learn when they were young is that dad will win. I will always win. If I, if I point out something in your life and say, this is not acceptable, and we're not going to have this anymore, I don't care how long it takes, I don't care how much trouble it causes, I will win. You will not outlast me on this. But a lot of parents don't, they, they do that on the front end and then they get tired and they get weary and they get tired of fighting it. And I just have that in me and my kids, I wanted them to know that from the beginning. <clears throat> if, if, if I see this and if I say that this needs to go in your life, you're, you're never going to win. And I would, I would reinforce that. Once we had a big battle, ugly, crying, spankings, all of this stuff, I would remind them in the end, I would say, listen, I know this wasn't pleasant today. And I want you to know, every single time it happens, this is just what it's going to be like. Every time. They believed that, that was proven to them, and so the behavior was eradicated. But if I, if I can't demonstrate, if I can't make them a believer, in other words, then they're not going to have any respect for that. So I, you had to have the mentality... I'm going to win, and they have to know that. And why? Because I want to be better than you, I want to be stronger than you, or something stupid like that? No. I will win for you. I will win because, actually, I'm not fighting to win. I'm not fighting to prove something to you about, oh, I'm Mr. Bad, you know, but I'm not trying to prove that. I'm fighting because for you and for your future, and because I know the value of it. So I will not let you win because it's not the best thing for you. And that's why the Bible says that discipline is love. Discipline says, I love you enough to fight for you and deal with this because I know, I know where it's going. Proverbs 13, 24. It says, whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. I love this verse because of its focus on the, the diligence part. He who loves him is diligent to discipline him. That sounds like it wouldn't be a very fun home to be raised in, right? But if y'all came home with me, we have some fun around my house. My kids have a great life. They, they love their life. We have a beautiful family. But we're diligent to discipline, and that doesn't, I'm not talking about spanking. We are diligent to guide. Diligent to train, diligent to, to correct. Diligent means I pay attention, I watch, I'm looking for wrong words that are coming out of your mouth. I may not even point it out to you every time, but I'm looking for wrong mindsets that are going to hurt you down the road. And a lot of times you can tell it by what's coming out of their mouth. I'm looking for dysfunction in your communication. I'm looking for laziness. I'm looking for lack of excellence. I'm looking for things in your life. I'm not hovering over you all the time just ready to point it out. But I, as their trainer and as their coach, as their parent of knowing what needs to change, what needs to grow, what needs to develop, I am diligent 
to look at their life and inspect it and to find out areas that they need to grow in. But, but look at the verse. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. Now, the first thing that this is probably referring to is spanking. It is disciplining in that way. But the rod here is a shepherd's rod. Okay, it's that, that hooked rod you're used to seeing with the, with the shepherds in the you know, Bible stories and stuff like that. And it was a rod that was used for a lot of things. One of the things it was used for was to crack you know, wolves over the head and things like that as they were coming near. If a, wolf, if a, if a sheep was going off or was in trouble or was, or was caught in some bushes, they could reach it in with that hook and kind of you know, guide them, pull them back, pull them in. It's not like the shepherd, a good shepherd, it's not like a good shepherd was going around just cracking sheep over the head all the time with it. So when we read this, we think, oh, the rod of correction, as if it's this just, you know, beating and spanking all the time. Well, I don't think every verse in the Bible that refers to the rod of correction is referring specifically to spanking, even though it could and should include that at times when necessary. But honestly, spanking is is the last resort. In other words, it's, I'm going to try talking to you first. And this is all age-specific. You know, when kids are young, they need more physical discipline because they don't understand the, the talking. They don't have the logic center of the year. And there's only one thing they understand very well in the beginning. And if you do this right in the beginning, you won't have as many problems as you go older. That's why I say uh, that the training begins immediately. Because if you do this right when they're young, you will have way less problems when they get older. Way, listen, after my kids got about four or five years old, the peace level in our home went through the roof. Because the training was complete? No, it wasn't complete, but it was effective and it took. <laughs> and so after a certain point, there was so much peace in our home. And then just years, I mean, years would pass before having to, you know, spank a child or anything like that. There were still dis- other types of discipline. But if you do this right in the beginning, there'll come a point where that levels off. But it has to be done right and appropriate for the, for the age that you're at. So whoever spares the rod hates his son. Okay, not disciplining again. Not an act of love. The Bible here says it's an act of hatred. It's one of the most selfish things you can do. The, the reason we don't discipline our kids is for selfish reasons. It's not for them. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. If you have a child who throws fits, pouts, manipulates, hits, calls names, yells, lies, tells you no, doesn't obey when you speak, speaks with disrespect or sarcasm, on and on and on, just fill in the blank, they've been trained. They have been trained that this is okay. You go, well, I've told them it wasn't okay. Oh, well, I I, I spanked them even when they did that. Yeah, but the consistency of it wasn't there until the behavior was eradicated. And again, I just, you know, I told you earlier about my horses. One of the horses that we got was an eight-year-old mare that just had never been worked with really very well and just had very unmannerly, just had a lot of issues, a lot of, a lot of problems. And we just started working with her over a period of few weeks, and she picked it up almost immediately. And a lot of her bad habits started dropping off just from little, little, little training, little here, consistency. No, every time you do that, this is what we're going to do. Every time you act this way, this is what's going to happen. And that consistency, those things dropped off. It's not always that easy with children. And depending on the the child that you have, uh, it could be really difficult. Some kids pick up on it right away. You might have what people call a strong-willed child. 
Or you might have a child that's stubborn or knuckle-headed or they have got a lot of perseverance. Let me tell you something. If you have a child that is what you might call strong-willed, that's one of their greatest strengths, honestly. To, to have a, a child that doesn't just, you know, listen to the crowd or just, or, or just listen and they, they see life their own way and they're very, 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 very persistent... That is one of their greatest strengths. But if it's not curbed and if it's not trained and if it's not disciplined, it will be the thing that destroys their life. But if it's curbed and it's trained correctly by a good parent, that will be one of the things that makes them successful in life. So training. Let's talk about training. Training requires, I'm going to give you four things. There's probably more than that. But training requires, number one, consistency. I talk to parents all the time. They're having an issue. They say, well, you know, this, that, or the other, and, and you go, okay, well, you know, do, do you spank them? What do you do? Oh, yeah, we did that. We do that, you know. And so I talked to a lot of parents and say, oh, well, we spank our kids, and this still happens. Yeah, but when it's not working, it's because of the consistency. Because I can tell you this. If you make a determination in your mind and you say, every time this happens, this will be the result, and you stick to that and you're consistent, you'll see the behavior change. The problem is when we're not consistent. How many of you have been in a, how many of you ever seen with your kids where when you're in a certain environment, they listen, then when you get in another environment, they don't listen, and that's training, right? They've learned when I'm here, they'll discipline me, but when I'm at the supermarket or over at grandma's house or over here, they won't do it, so what are you doing? You're training, you only have to listen at certain times. That doesn't make you a bad parent, I'm just saying we've all done that, but they're being trained to do that. So, yeah, there's been times, I remember there were times my wife had to leave her grocery cart in the store and take them outside. Like, you know, it, it's a huge inconvenience. Disrupts your whole life. But I can tell you, if you fight that battle and you pay that price now, you will be thanking God down the road. Because your life will be a lot easier down the road. So it, if you're trying to train in a certain area, number one, it requires consistency. And it actually requires you to be with them. A lot of times... That's, that's the issue, too, is, uh, you know, they're not with us due to, due to our work schedules, our time. We're too busy. But when you're training, when you're training a child, you have to be with them. Because no one's going to no parent like you parent. No one's going to be consistent like you would be. When they go to school, they're going to be trained totally different. When they go to grandma's house, they're going to be trained totally, totally different. So it requires a huge time investment to train your kids properly. Number two, it requires love. Discipline is always best when it is, it is just soaked and saturated in love. If you are an angry person, if you discipline when you are angry, if you yell, if you threaten your kids, all of that, and it's not with love, the discipline is going to be way less effective. And really what it can do is it can build resentment in their heart towards you. The more loving you are, the more effective your, your discipline will be. Did you know that you don't have to be angry to discipline your kids? Matter of fact, this was a commitment that Jen and I made when we were first got married. We will never discipline our kids in anger. In other words, if I am angry, if I'm so angry, and, and that discipline is coming out of that, then I'm going to pause and I'm going to wait. I can come back around to it. I'm, I'm going to wait and come back around. See, I don't have to be angry and yelling to make this discipline effective. Actually, I think it's more effective to be calm and loving, and, and explain with calmness, loving, logic, and go, but you're still getting a spanking, or you're still being disciplined 
because of this. And it can be done with love and should be done with love. And if it's not done with love, then you're going to create resentment, actually. And you can, you can drive a child away uh, if, it, if it's not full of love. We always followed up with love after discipline. Always came back in. You know, always made sure to tell them we love you. We're proud of you. You're such a good, you know, kid. You're doing so many things right. You're doing this right, but this thing has to stop. You know, and we would always try to do that. If one parent, you know, and this is, a, this is the benefit of having that, the team parenting that we're talking about. If one parent was, you know, getting too aggressive or too, you know, we come to each other and we go, hey, you know, the way you're talking to them, it's not helping. You know, let's, let's dial it back a little bit. And we try to help each other like that. So you want to be very non-combative, if possible, when you discipline. Um, and you want, to, you want to have as much love as possible. So number one, consistency. Number two, love. Number three, endurance. For discipline and training to work, you have to have more endurance than your child. If they have more endurance than you, they're going to win. If they can outlast you, they're going to win. But you have to have more endurance than they do. Number four is... Training requires wisdom. It requires a significant amount of wisdom. And this is the part that you can't get from four steps or from a good sermon. This wisdom comes from reading the Word of God and spending time with God. And you need wisdom when you are raising your kids because there are times where the formulas might say, that kid needs a spanking. But wisdom from God can go, hold on a minute, something else is going on. Something else is going on, and I, I, I need to figure this out. Wisdom comes in and is, brings creativity of how to do this, how to get this done, how to bring change about. So training requires consistency, love, endurance, and wisdom. And this is the, one of the things that we have to remember is that their training, whatever it is, okay, whatever training they receive from you, their training will follow them into adulthood. Please, the, the Word of God told us that. If you train a child in the way they should go when they're old, they'll not depart of it. Their training will follow them into adulthood. If they, if they leave your house, still can't communicate, can't talk, don't respect others, talk with sarcasm, lie, they're selfish, if they leave your house like that, they w that will follow them into their marriage. It will follow them into adulthood, and it will, it will plague them. This is why you start early. You have 18 years or so to train. And I say it starts at day one, but you can start at any time. It doesn't matter if you've let some time go. It can start at any time. Now, last thing I want to do before we close this morning is I just want to read you several scriptures on this topic because the Word of God sometimes is abrasive to our cultural mindset and cultural uh, beliefs that we've adopted. So I want you to hear the Word of God on these issues. I'm just going to kind of go through them fast. You can write them down if you want to, so you can look at them later. But this is how God thinks about parenting, training, and discipline. Proverbs 22:15. Folly or foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Now, is the Word of God correct or not? How many of you have ever seen some foolish children? Yeah, we have. We've seen them all the time, sometimes in our own house. 
foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. In other words, it works when done right. Proverbs 23, 13, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. <laughs> Love that one. In other words, get over it. Yeah, he's not going to die. Okay, it's going to help him, her. Proverbs 29, 17, discipline your son and he will give you rest. Oh, my goodness, so many parents need that one right there. Dis Look, you know, a lot of parents end up not liking their kids. Let's just be, no one's going to admit that and say that. I've talked to a lot of parents, they do not like their kids. And they do not like them because they have not disciplined them. So many parents have gotten to the point where they almost decide, I don't even know if I want to be a parent anymore. I'm not, I know this sounds so harsh. It's your fault. I, I know that sounds hard. Discipline your child and he will give you rest. It is not an act of love to not discipline your child for them or yourself. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Proverbs 29, 19. By mere words... A servant is not disciplined, for though he understands, he will not respond. How many have kids like that? Words don't work. I tried words. They didn't work. No, by mere words, a servant is not disciplined, for though he understands, he will not respond. In other words, sometimes it takes more than that. And that's okay, and that's biblical, and you don't have to be angry to do it. But you can use, you can use wisdom, you can be full of the love of God, and you can have their future in your mind. And you can discipline your children, whatever that looks like. There, there's different ways to do it. From these scriptures, what do we see? Again, not disciplining is not an act of love. And it is short-sighted and not thinking about what is best for them in the long term when you do not discipline your children. So main thing I want you to walk away with this morning is I want you to see yourself as a trainer. You have a job to do to train them to coach them, to guide them, to lead them. And part of that is discipline, but it's not the only part. And, and our goal is for when these kids leave our house that we have eliminated as much as possible, we've eliminated, eliminated things that are going to cause them problems in their future and we've instilled things that are going to help them in their future you know, marriages, parenting, raising families, just life in general. Amen.